Hi there. Thanks for joining us. It's the Jeff MacArthur podcast for Friday, September the 11th. Coming up, we'll talk about the Raptors in Game 7 against the Boston Celtics, Toronto's new Airbnb permits and rules, and why the Toronto Humane Society needs your help. All of that coming up right now. Okay. Ahead and uh, onwards to uh, tonight, uh, the Raptors, of course. Big game tonight, uh, Game 7, Raptors and Celtics. Winner moves on, loser is out of the bubble and goes home as we uh, welcome Rob and Mary into the conversation. And I want to get Mary's opinion on this because I just know that uh, you are such a, a ferocious basketball fan and a Raptors fan. Do you agree with the analysis, Mary, that this is all on uh, Pascal Siakam's shoulders tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> Would you like to expand on that? <laughs> uh, well, this, I mean, the thing is, you know, we always say this, right? There's no I in team. So they've really got to all pull it together. They've, they have been doing a tremendous job of coming out, coming out strong. They've all got to keep their head in the game right from the second, you know, and just blast out and keep it going. Absolutely. I think you are bang on there. And you know what? Uh, Pascal Siakam, Spicy P, uh, (laughs) has not been his best in this series, and particularly the last couple of games. So if, if he breaks out of his slump tonight, that could be the difference maker. That could be the difference between the Raps moving on or not. And we hear about athletes doing all that training, right? Not just on the skills, but the moment before visualization you know getting you know into that space where you you know you've done it before you can do it again and all that is just sort of the mechanics that is there for you just fly you know yeah you know what i love the mindset of uh, og we talked about this uh when we were on the air was back on monday after that uh, big game with the uh, 0.5 seconds left and he hit that three-pointer and what he said afterwards is when he was asked if he was nervous and to your point mary about mindset he was like no, I don't shoot to miss. Yeah. I love that mindset. But do you think, do you think perhaps Spicy P, back to Pascal for a second, is he cursed in this series? Could be. I mean, we don't know. And I only ask that because you have to have a listen to this guy's, uh, this guy's Nona. Now, he's a big Raptors fan, and he posted this on Twitter, and it's going viral today. Nona. Yeah, his Nona, his uh, grandma, his his (laughs) raptor-loving Nona is trying to lift what she believes is a curse on Spicy P. Have a listen to this. Guys, you have no idea what's going on right now. Check this. Nona, what are you doing? We're taking the Malocchio off Siakam. (laughs) You kind of have to explain the video. She's rubbing oil on the iPad. Yeah, well, she's there in her kitchen, and she is looking at a picture of spicy pea on her iPad. And, yeah, she's got – explain this to me if you can, Rob. She's got, like, uh, I don't know. I don't understand it, but I think it's olive oil. Yeah, maybe. And she does the sign of the cross with her thumb on the (laughs) – on the iPad. That'll do it. Yeah, That'll do it. Apparently. Bring it. Nona, come on. <laughs> Who's going to argue with Nona? Well, I mean, there have been curses in sports before, right? Didn't uh, didn't Babe Ruth put a curse on the Red Sox or something like that? Well, the Red Sox kind of put it on themselves. The curse of the Bambino when right. they traded Babe Ruth. Right, okay. And then it took them 100 years or something to yeah, win yeah, the World yeah. Series. Right. Yeah. So they're out there. Well, the other big <laughs> curse in sports is the SI curse, right? 
Whoa, what's that? If you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Oh, yeah? That means you're not going to win? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there's been uh, so many athletes that uh, they're on the cover of SI, and then all of a sudden the next game they go out and break their leg. <laughs> oh, my or, God. Oh, or terrible. yeah, they say this team is going to win the World Series, and they end up last that year. Right. You make it to the top, and then right back down to the bottom. Right, yeah. and then the Leafs are cursed, right? It's been, what, 50-plus years? Stop reminding yeah. us. We're focused yeah, on the 50. Raptors right We're now. Getting We're getting this, old. This is the Raptors we're focused on, okay? I don't want to know. Focus. Yeah. Get your head in the game. Only play to win. Don't think about those losses. Visualize the victories. Get out there and fly. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, hopefully Spicy P is listening and is going to take Mary's advice here. I don't know if he's cursed or not, but you know athletes are so superstitious. Yes, I don't know, spicy. Like, if you normally put your right sneaker on first, go with the left tonight. Yeah. Just do something. Change it up. I know Gasol wasn't having a particularly good series either. And he came out in the last game. He actually had this great flowing head of hair going. And then all of a sudden comes out with a shaved head. He's back to the Gasol of last year. Yeah. It maybe needed to be more aerodynamic. The hair was holding him down. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but I like you've got your pregame, right? You've got your pregame nap, right? And then you got to. Oh, for the Raptors tonight? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's not superstition as much important. as it is uh, old age. <laughs> that I, I can't get past 10 o'clock on a Friday night anymore without a nap. Well, I remember, Jeff does yeah. a morning show Monday to Friday, yeah, right? Yeah, so he's Saturday up with off. The, yeah. Uh, you know, I got two shows every day. I'm mean, the hardest working man in showbiz. It's true. I need, yeah, a, na- I need a nap. Yeah. And you don't want to nod off. You don't want to fall asleep in the middle of a big game and hear people cheering. Go, what do I miss? What do I miss? Uh, huh? I will. Though. I mean, I know you guys are making fun of the nap, but a good power nap, particularly on a Friday. I know there's people in their cars right now listening going, MacArthur, you're absolutely right. Friday night is my worst night because I'm so tired from the week that if, uh, like, you basically are, like, uh, clawing and scratching your way to 9 p.m. and just to yeah. get to bed, right? No, I've been there, and I, yeah. trust me, I'm not making fun of you. I, I support a good nap. Yeah. Trust me. So, trust the prep me. for the game, both of you, nap, okay? I just wish I could. I don't. Yeah. I'm not allowed to. Uh, how about Rob, Mary, with a controversial take? Uh, he's pro-nap. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> really stirring it up on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, by the way, not only is this guy's Nona going viral online, but also going viral today, the NFL returned uh, last night, and Kansas City Chiefs coach uh, Andy Reid, he is all over social media. Have you seen these pictures? Mm-hmm. Andy Reid is on the sidelines uh, doing his thing, as he always does, and he's got his uh, KC hat on, his Kansas City Chiefs hat on, and attached to that is a full visor, face mask. Nice. It is full. Like, it goes right from the top of the brim of his hat to what looks like underneath his chin. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's, it's obviously the right thing face. to do. Right thing to yeah. do in this uh, age of uh, COVID. But here's the problem. <laughs> With the weather conditions uh, last night where they were playing in the stadium uh, there, this mask just kept fogging up. <laughs> it was hilarious. At, at times, you could not see Coach Reed. You could not see his face. Just a fog mask. Reed? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is so that funny. Coach Reed? Or is that Iron Man? Who yeah. is that? <laughs> Anyways, there's so many great memes uh, of this uh, today. Uh, one is, uh, hey, uh, Andy, you might want to hit defrost. Yeah. Yeah, hit the defrost <laughs> on your face shield. Will you? And another one just shows, like, uh, his POV, his point of view. And it's nothing. And it's nothing. He goes, and the caption is, I wonder if Andy Reid enjoyed that last touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they should have dumped a big thing of Gatorade over him just to wash it off. <laughs> yeah, that oh. could have worked. Sure, yeah. 
And listen, I'm far from a professional sports coach, but I would think actually being able to see what's happening on the field of play, probably key. Unless he's that confident. You know, he doesn't even need to see. He's just like, I drew it up. Yeah. That's how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you're going to order in tonight because it's Friday night. Raptors are uh, playing, so uh, maybe you're going to get some takeout to support your local, support a uh, local uh, restaurant. If you do, what do you do with the takeout? Because uh, there's a debate raging as well. They're calling this the great plate debate. Hmm. Because so many folks, so many people have been ordering a takeout uh, during COVID, as I mentioned, uh, you know, to support uh, restaurants and help them out. But when you bring the takeout home, Mary, what do you do? Do you eat it in the package or do you take out the uh, good china and do you put it, do you plate it, put it on a plate? I take out the family heirlooms and I eat it off of that. Come on. Okay, maybe, maybe not the family heirlooms, but I put it on a plate. plate out of the Known as good china? You, no, no, good china makes a burger taste so good. <laughs> like, would you, uh, would you actually put like, if you brought home McDonald's, for example? Yeah. Like a Big Mac. Yeah. You put it on Grandma's good china. Okay. Well, I'm not the good china. I'm just, you know, saying <laughs> yeah. that to be fun. But I take a plate out of the cupboard and I take it out of the wrapper and I put it on the plate. Okay, yep. so you're on team plate, Rob. Yes. Uh, I'm with Mary. Yeah, team plate. Well, in fact, we had sushi last night and we pulled out plates and. Took it out of the styrofoam and... Okay. Yeah. So do you guys both, do you enjoy doing dishes? Is that why uh, you're doing uh, actually, this? Actually, yeah, I do. Uh, there's a zen to doing dishes. <laughs> it's, really? Uh, it's the only time I get to meditate. See, now that's a controversial <laughs> take. Quiet time for Rob is yeah, washing the dishes. That's right. Yeah, I mean, being oh, pro-dishwashing uh, is controversial. Pro-nap is. is not. You know, but, I was yeah. a professional dishwasher for many years. And uh, not many years, actually, maybe a year and a half. It's a hard job, but uh, there's definitely a zen to dishwashing. What's the difference between uh, amateur and pro in dishwashing? Uh, you break more dishes as an amateur. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you cut yourself accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. See, I think it depends on what the takeout is. Because if I'm getting something like a I would shawarma, agree with that. yeah, yeah, I'm just going to eat it, uh, you know, out of the wrapper. And, For sure. And Big hand. Mac, I would agree with the Big okay. Mac, but I like that Mary puts it on a plate. I find that impressive. Oh, this is my favorite. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I find that to be uh, a little snobby. <laughs> <laughs> Mary listen, also eats a I, chocolate bar with a knife and fork. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you use a knife and fork and do you pretend that Big Mac is actually like a tenderloin? It's baked potatoes. Maybe. The bun is baked potatoes. And Maybe I'm having in my a mind, I'm yeah. in Harbor 60. Who knows? Yeah. But I, I, I think the secret is uh, dishwasher because, you know, we have a thing that we put the dishes in called a dishwasher. And uh, that's probably why I'm like, yeah, use the good china. Get another glass. You see, Rob is shocked now being a professional dishwasher. No idea. He's done this by hand his no, no, entire life. No, no, no. no, I use a dishwasher. <laughs> I just wash them before I put them in the dishwasher. Oh, let's not even get into that debate. <laughs> the city's long-awaited short-term rental registration system. That's a mouthful, isn't it? We need an acronym for that. The short-term rental registration system. It's finally live. It's gone online. And it's hoped that this will have an impact and help address the negative effects of platforms like Airbnb, what they've, uh, the effect that it has had sorry, on the city's rental market. Thorben Wieditz is with Fair B&B and joins us now for more on this here on Global News Radio. Thorben, good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, uh, first off, just uh, how does this registry, how does it work? Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward. If you are a, uh, you know, a, a 
principal residence in a building or you want to put on your own home on uh, platforms like uh, Airbnb, you just visit a, a City of Toronto web portal and, you know, you, you basically provide all the information that is needed um, to prove that you are a principal resident um, and that this is actually your home and not an investment property. And then you receive a permit number from the city that then will have to be displayed on Airbnb or other short-term rental platforms um, when you, um, you know, try to list your property and advertise it for rent. All right. Is there a fee attached to this at all to, to get this permit? Um, there is a fee attached to it. Um, don't You know what? I don't want to lie. Uh, don't ask me what the fee is. It's fairly minimal for, um, it's a nominal fee for hosts, um, but I can't give you the exact number right now. Sorry. Okay. But, and do we know where that money is going? What the city is going to use it? Is it? Are they going to put it towards uh, maybe uh, helping out with the uh, housing crisis? Yeah, I think the way it was designed was that the fee is um, intended to be a, a cost recovery fee for the you know maintaining of the program and um, the portal. Okay, and how is this? Uh, how do they hope that this will change the city's rental market, Thorben? Um, it's fairly simple. We know from the data that um, a, a fairly substantive part of Airbnb rentals in the city of Toronto are non-principal residences, so-called um, what we call ghost hotels, investment properties, people that have stockpiled housing units, uh, mostly in condominium buildings, and use them as tourist rentals um, exclusively. And um, those folks won't be able to um, receive a permit number because they cannot show that they are a principal resident in you know those 20, 60, 80 units that they um, you know have access to. So, um, and, and if that's happening and Airbnb is requiring a, a valid permit number, uh, we should see a fairly significant drop in the number of so-called entire home listings on platforms like Airbnb. Um, and in other jurisdictions where this has been done before, whether it's uh, San Francisco or Boston or even Vancouver, uh, we have seen uh, the number of listings drop, um, you know, in San Francisco's case, up to 50%. And we know from Toronto's data that, we're, we are basically looking at, you know, the, the 7,000 um, home uh, number that, you know, we should see be, you know, be removed from Airbnb's platform. All right, because that was my next question. Is this based on a model elsewhere? So in San Francisco, where we've seen a drop in Airbnb-type rentals uh, by non-principal uh, residents, what has that done to the housing market in those cities? Uh, have rental prices dropped? Because I think San Francisco, uh, last I heard, was still sky high. Um, that is that is right. Um, in most of the um, places where Airbnb operates and where Airbnb has become a problem, those are also places that have very tight housing markets um, and that are fairly popular among um, tourists and travelers. Um, so in San Francisco and in Boston and in other places, um, what it has done is that it has, you know, made more housing available and, and thus it has become easier for people to find long-term housing um, in the cities where they actually uh, want to live and need to live in order to work. Um, so we hope that this is something that we'll see in Toronto. And even if, if we only place half of those 7,300 units back on the market in Toronto, we should see the vacancy rate increase from about 1.3% to 2%. And that's only, um, you know, if we replace if we place half of those currently illegal non-compliant listings back on the market. Um, CMHC considers a 3% vacancy rate as a healthy vacancy rate. Uh, we're still, you know, uh, far away from that. But I do think that, um, you know, these rules and regulations will make a difference. Um, 
if, you know, people comply with them. Okay, makes a difference when it comes to available housing or supply, but not necessarily when it comes to whether or not folks can actually afford these uh, rentals. We're not seeing rental uh, prices uh, decline or uh, a drop where this has been used in other cities, because that's the other side of the equation, obviously, Thorben, as you well know, is the affordability of this market. Um, This is a very good question. And um, I think what we have seen and what we have seen in Toronto, um, even during um, the pandemic now, is that um, condo uh, prices, rental prices have come down. Um, The number of available condos, particularly fully furnished condos, which to us indicates that these were formerly held short-term rental units that um, are being placed on the long-term market now, um, you know, the, the the prices have come down um, and the numbers of number of units have gone up. Um, so this is happening, you know, through COVID and the pandemic and the literally, you know, the, the decline in, in demand for short-term rental units. Um, and if this is any indication, we hope that with the city's re- regulations coming in, that we will see uh, even greater effect on um, the housing market in the city of Toronto. All right. So this portal provided by the city, is now open if you're a principal uh, resident and you want to lease or rent out uh, your uh, property, your condo, a short-term rental. You've now got to get a permit, which has got to be shown on the uh, website, such as Airbnb, where you're advertising that. Do we expect the city, Thorben, to vigilantly vigilantly enforce this? Uh, Because that obviously will be costly, but also key to make sure that these permit numbers uh, are are up on these uh, websites. Uh, 100%. I mean, we, we have been in touch with the city and we know when, when council passed these regulations, um, they also passed that um, the city would hire four full-time equivalent staff in order to, um, you know, um, enforce the city's rules. And uh, we will be paying a very close eye on what the city is, do- is doing with regards to enforcement. Um, and and we, are, we are in constant touch with, with folks that live in, in residential neighborhoods, in condominium buildings that have for years endured a lot of partying and a lot of um, the downsides of this uh, Airbnb phenomena in Toronto. And, uh, you know, we'll make sure that um, the city knows exactly um, where those problem properties are. And uh, we will follow up to see whether or not the city addresses the problem. And, um, you know, as far as we know, the hosts have about uh, until the end of the year, there's a grace period for a few months until they can all register and should register. And so we will have a chance in the new year to actually look at the compliance rate and see where we are at. And if the compliance rate is low, uh, you know, we will have to to push the city to, um, you know, do everything um, they can in order to bring people up into compliance and to remove all those illegal listings of the market. All right. Just finally, Thorben, do we expect the effects of this policy to be seen immediately, or is this something that it's going to be a bit of a trickle effect, uh, if you will? It's going to take a little while. Yeah, that's that's something that will take a while. As I said, it, you know, hosts have until the end of the year to register, and then you know, we we have combing through the data, you know, on a month to month basis, so we know what the market is doing, how the market is responding to COVID. Um, and we will be able to see how the market is responding to the regulations. And I think, you know, we should, towards the end of the first quarter of 2021, we should get a pretty good idea of, you know, how effective those rules are. And, um, you know, again, like, we'll, we'll stay, uh, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, stay on top of that. Thorben Waditz with Fair B&B. Thorben, appreciate the time and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having us. Bye.
We've been talking about dogs and pets, and the Toronto Humane Society is reaching out for help here on this Friday due to an influx of animals that they've seen there recently. Why the influx, and how can all of us help? Let's ask Hannah Sotrapa. She's with the Toronto Humane Society and joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hannah, good afternoon, and thanks for coming on. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having us. All right. First off, just uh, can you tell us uh, what is the situation there? Absolutely. So right now, um, we are still running our digital adoptions program. So for anyone who is interested in listening, um, you can still help out and adopt animals from the shelter. Um, Today, we'd love to chat about just what we've seen in the last 30 days, which has been a huge increase of emergency vet surrenders to the shelter. So we've actually seen in the last 30 days, uh, over a hundred thousand dollars going towards animals who are in an emergent state. They need urgent care, and um, it's been pretty tremendous to, to see such an increase in such a short period of time. But just as tremendous has been the amount of public support for this cause. And I'm looking at our fundraising page right now, which is actually at about eighteen thousand dollars. When just yesterday we were only at fifty. So it's really, really remarkable, and we are seeing the best of people in these trying times. That is awesome. That is great to hear. Uh, Do you know why you've seen this influx of animals recently? It's a great question, and um, I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, does this relate back to COVID and and a pet owner potentially being unprepared or facing a temporary hardship financially? And what we've seen is animals are coming to us um, many different ways. So Mimi, for example, this was a cat whose cost THS just under $6,500, and she was accidentally pregnant. Um, So a total freak, freak accident there. We've also had a cat come to us cello who was running across the 401 a two-month-old kitten and this little guy cost ths a total of over eighteen hundred dollars so it is hard to say whether or not this is a direct relation back to covid some of the animals have come to us because they the owners have just been caught up in a freak accident and then we've got little cello who was a stray cat who was brought in by a good samaritan so they're coming to us very in many different ways but regardless of how they come to us um, we treat them with the, the most utmost care and world-class enrichment. For sure. You know, I was just wondering, too, about the vet situation uh, during COVID, uh, because as we know, it's been tough for, you know, people to see their uh, doctors and get some medical attention. I have to believe it's similar for our animals, that it's been a, a little tougher to maybe even get a vet appointment. For sure, yep. So there's definitely longer wait times right now, as we know, um, getting squeezed in. The other thing, too, is the, the cost of vet bills. So as we've seen in these cases, the average vet bill for um, an emergency surrender, so we're looking at hospitalization and surgery, we're talking between three to $5,000. And, you know, you never know when, when you might have to pull out that amount of cash. So some people can put that amount of cash aside, but for many people, that's simply not simply not something that they can afford. And so that brings up the consideration of pet insurance. And it's something that we, we love to, to vouch for and we talk about, especially more than ever right now with seeing so many emergency cases. Um, and the reason we bring it up is because in the heat of a stressful moment where you're mixed up with, in a freak accident, the last thing that you want to be thinking about is how do I have to pay for this? And then being faced with the complicated decision of whether you have to give up that animal. And so we always say, you know, the younger you can get pet insurance, the better. And that way there's 
fewer pre-existing conditions and a higher chance that whatever the illness is that might come out of nowhere, the insurance company would cover it. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. We've talked about that in the past uh, on the show. That, that was a lesson, quite frankly, I learned uh, the hard way uh, years and years ago. Uh, we had a dog who uh, sadly was stricken early on with uh, cancer, and uh, I don't even want to go into how much money we spent trying to save this animal because it was part of our family, right? And you yeah, do what you have yeah. to do. But uh, to echo your sentiments and what you said, I mean, I know a lot of people get a pet and they don't think about insurance necessarily, health insurance, and then they think about the monthly cost. But as you just uh, mentioned, the bills, if God forbid something happens, they can add up in a big hurry. They can, absolutely. And so that's why we always suggest it. And we say, worst case scenario is you get it and you don't use it, but at least you've had peace of mind. Um, Even for adult pets, so we, of course, say be proactive versus reactive. So ideally, when your your pet is a puppy or a kitten or a young bird or turtle or whatever it is, um, it's still a great thing to consider for healthy adult pets. Because at the end of the day, even if you are the most caring pet owner, accidents happen. Um, So when you're thinking about adoption, you want to think of four quadrants, longevity of the decision, lifestyle, budget, environment, but then also um, we look at insurance as a very, very large component because, again, out of thin air, these things can happen. And of the top 10 reasons that a person might relinquish their pets, affordability is one of them. So we know that the cost of vet bills are ever increasing and we've got to be prepared for our little four-legged companions. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, just finally, uh, those that are listening want to help out help out the humane society uh, right now how can they do so so for sure there's lots of opportunities to help out our animals if you're in a position to adopt we definitely have animals available um now just be aware the wait times are longer than normal because since closure we've had over 8,000 applications come in so it's been beautiful to see the public support. Um, If you're not in a position to adopt, you can go over to our fundraising page, which is www.torontohumanesociety.com backslash emergency, and you can make a donation directly on that page. And every little bit counts and every bit goes towards helping animals in need. All right. Hannah, thank you so much for all the great work everybody there is doing at the Humane Society, and thanks for your time with us here this afternoon. Likewise, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. And that is the Jeff MacArthur Podcast for Friday, September the 11th. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Just a reminder, you can listen live weekday afternoons from 1 to 3 on AM 640 or at 640toronto.com. And, of course, you can search my name, Jeff MacArthur, on Spotify and get the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast.